0: I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Jennifer Razor. Before we get to Jennifer, I have some announcements. First, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com, and there you'll find photos of our guests, uh, some stories that some of the guests have written, some stories that I've written. You can see links to the guest's social media and websites. You can see links to our social media. And by our social media, I mean Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's our Facebook page. Uh, You can follow us on all those things. Subscribe. That would be great. We also have links on the site to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe for free, as always. We're also on Spotify and iHeartRadio and basically wherever you get your podcasts. So, All I ask of you, if you are listening on one of those places, is to give us a good rating and subscribe, or just give us a good rating. Say nice things. That helps more people find the show by boosting our presence, and that's always a cool thing to do. So if you can do that, I'd appreciate it. If you think you might be right for the show, or you know somebody's right for the show, you want to contact me, you want to tell me nice things, that's always cool. Maybe you have some travel questions I can answer. Either way, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. All right, Jennifer Razor. She's someone who was recommended to me by previous guest, Robin Dorian, who was on a couple months ago. They're good friends. And Robin thought Jennifer would be great for the show, and she was right. Jennifer and her husband left their jobs back in 2003 and decided they wanted to travel the world. First destination on their mind? Italy, of course. Can't say I blame them for that. But they moved to Milan and not only traveled around Italy, but used that as a base to travel all around Europe and... Africa, and everywhere else. They started writing travel guides and eventually made that their business. They are the creators of Approach Guides. That's approachguides.com. And basically, they provide travel content for businesses, hotel chains, cruise lines, travel agencies. If people need guides and travel content for their websites... You go to Approach Guides, and they'll handle that for you. The business has grown considerably, and Jennifer and her husband are still on the road. They were actually caught on the road when COVID happened. They were in South Africa, and when South Africa shut down, they shut down hard. And what was meant to be a short trip became a stay that lasted over a year in South Africa. So we talk about that. We talk about her nomad life, some of her favorite places, what she's learned from being a pioneer in the digital nomad world, and how it's all changed her. We talk about all that and much, much more. If you want to know more about Approach Guides, you can go to approachguides.com, and you can follow her on Instagram at Jennifer Razor, her name. Jennifer, standard spelling. Razor is R-A-E-Z-E-R. But hey, the best way to get to know her is to listen to my chat with her while I get to know her. Here's my talk with the lovely and charming Jennifer Razor. So you're in New York City. Yes. Which, um, from the looks of things, and I've seen your website... That uh, that's an odd place for you to be because you're probably never home.
1: Yeah, I uh, I sort of bounce bounce around. Um, <laughs> it's it's not home anymore. The the world is home.
0: I got your information from uh, Robin Dorian, who did the other, who did the show a few weeks ago, yeah, and uh, yeah, she said you have got to talk to my friend Jennifer. <laughs> her and her husband travel around the world, and you have this site which is called Approach Guides. Tell people what Approach Guides is and why is it different than any other travel guide out there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Approach Guides is a destination content platform that travel brands like cruise lines, tour operators use to serve up uh, inspirational destination content to, uh, to their guests. So and the way it's different is when I say destination content, immediately what comes to people's minds is... That sort of guidebook-like content—where to go, what to do, what to see in a given destination—and our content is much more inspirational. That sort of content, while important, is—it's uh, a commodity, right? It's—it's uh, it's logistical. It's important, but it's boring. And what's a lot harder to find is that content that gives unique insights into a destination. We call them the quintessential aspects of a place. It's art, history, music, food—those sort of things that draw this content out. Um, it's not salesy. It's not uh, clickbait. It's pure. It's authentic. I sometimes like to say it's uh, candy for the curious mind, um, and that's that kind of content is really hard to find. And when brands serve that up to their guests. Um, it really resonates, and they reward the the brands with their loyalty and and uh, with their engagement.
0: Okay, so you talk about brands now, um, is this a platform that's built for businesses or it for is. individual travelers?
1: No, it's a B two B company. So we started uh, on the B two C side. We started actually creating uh, travel guidebooks for uh, for consumers. And as you can imagine from what I've just said, they're very, very different. They were born of this idea of connecting the dots between uh, between cultures, and really, it's one thing to go visit St. Mark's in and- And you look in the church and you see all these glittering mosaics and you recognize they're beautiful, but you might not understand why it's so important. So uh, those are the type of things that we draw out.
0: Oh, I hear New York City behind you
1: exactly always uh keeping it uh keeping it real <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when you say we i think you're talking about you and your husband right
1: yes me and my husband so we founded the company um and now run it from from the road
0: what was your background before starting this i mean were you in journalism or were you in uh the travel business
1: no i was actually in the tech uh tech world so i've worked in in uh at SaaS platforms for most of my career. Um, and every moment that I wasn't doing that, I was traveling. Um, so we decided to quit our jobs. We moved to Italy and we just started traveling. It was supposed to be for a year. It ended up being five. And, uh, and that really sort of set us up on this, uh, this path for this business.
0: Wow. Okay. is so- the, the
1: information we wanted when we were traveling.
0: And what year did you start all this?
1: Uh, that was 2003. Okay. Yeah. But so we hadn't formed the company at that point. Uh, we formed the company in uh, 2009. Uh, and then we transitioned to uh, to the B2B platform in 2016.
0: Okay. Well, so so was I remember... It's a
1: journey. It's a journey.
0: Right. So uh, was he in the same kind of business? Was he a tech guy as well?
1: No, uh he was in finance, worse.
0: <laughs> oh wow. Okay. So yeah. things kind of take a nosedive tech wise and uh dot com crash in the two thousands.
1: They did, they did, but I, I was uh I was working for some pretty uh cool companies, actually one of the few dot coms uh that that survived and thrived. So um <laughs> the jobs were secure, but uh it's it's really, you know. Have the luxury of asking, what do you really want to do? What, where do your passions lie? And uh, and the fact that we were able to identify the passion and build a business around it is uh, is the holy grail, I think.
0: Well, how do you decide the angle you take? Because so many people, I mean, now they're influencers and all that stuff. So you kind of got in before the whole Instagram thing, and and we that did, kind
1: of- we did, and we don't, we never went down that that path, right? That path is uh, is a great it's it's a great path um, and it's but it's a crowded path and it's not the type of content that I'm consuming or want to con- consume on a daily basis and when I when I travel um, the type of content that we're creating is is what we were looking for and weren't able to find so uh, so we set out to to build it. And we started writing the guidebooks. And uh, anyone who has created their own content knows it's hard. Um, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources. And we were having brands call us and say, large hotel brands, and say, "We love your content. We want this in all of our hotels." And we're like, "Great, let's do, let's do it." You know, high fiving around the office. And then they're like, "We have sixteen hundred destinations." like we have 45 guidebooks which is a lot but it's not meeting that demand so that was when we sort of went back to the drawing board and said well how can we take that same ethos of um, the way we look at uh the content that travelers want to consume that sort of content for the curious traveler and uh and transform it in a way that we can we scaled it to you know five thousand destinations now
0: well Okay, I'm still uh, kind of confused at how it works. So, if I'm a hotel brand, let's yeah. pick one, Marriott, yeah. and I see your guides, and I call you up. No, so
1: it's it's not guides anymore. That's that's. Well, the I mean, back thing. then, back then it was guides, right? But, but, but now, what were they looking
0: for? Were they looking for? Printed content? Were they looking for video? Were they looking for photos? No, it was all
1: digital. It was all digital content. So um, e-books and uh, videos that we had on quintessential aspects of these destinations. It's art, history, uh, food, whatever topic we would cover in that in that place. Um, but now what they do is they, you know, they call us up, they say we have 1600 uh, destinations and we say, great, you can tap into this library of content and you can serve up um, multimedia content, video, podcasts, uh, articles, books, films, and serve that up to your, uh, to your guests, all about the destination um, in, in a way that's really hyper personalized to them even down to their specific interests. This person might be interested in in food and beverage. Um, this one might be interested in local crafts and fashion, and, and you can slice and dice that content.
0: So if I'm a, a guy going to Rome and I look on the hotel website and they have suggestions of things to do while you're in Rome, a lot of that content would come from you. Now, I wouldn't know it, but it's on the
1: that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and brands will be, um, you know, they'll, they'll send out newsletters about a destination. Why is Rome compelling? Here are some uh, unique things about the, here's the history of, of Rome. Here's some information on the Colosseum. Here's some of its famous architects. Um, here are some, you know, here's a architect talking about what makes this particular structure so interesting and important so it's really bringing that expert voice uh, into the and and making it come alive in a way that when you're on location you have a little bit more information that makes you go this isn't just beautiful but this is important and i know some stories behind it that make it even resonate even more with me
0: well it's a big world out there and there's only the two of you so did <laughs> no, you No no we
1: have a team we have a team <laughs> Well that's what
0: i mean that was i was getting to i mean do you are yeah. you take um uh, submissions from people? Do you have like uh, a staff? or well, how does we, do, we
1: do. We have a 10-person content team um, and they're researching these destinations. And then we have a tech team as well that's building the platform that these brands are using to, uh, to leverage the content and serve it up.
0: Well, when you started out, was there like a, a focus on, say, like one region, just say Europe? Or did you decide, oh, no, we're going to go everywhere? Because, I mean, it's hard to be an expert in one, like Rick Steves picked Europe and he he just kind of focused on that, uh, which in some ways I admire in the fact that, you know, maybe it's better to be an expert in one thing than dabble. (laughs) In in a lot of different places.
1: We're experts in finding out what makes a place tick, right? It's a research project. You go through and you're like for this destination what are the what are the local dishes that you're going to see on every single menu and it doesn't matter to me that's why we don't do the where where to eat in a place i don't really care where somebody goes to have dinner and in fact the place i think is the best place for dinner probably isn't going to be the place that you think or they think or whatever what i really care about is when they go to a restaurant they're in a they're in a location. They are going to see certain things on the menu, and I care that they know enough to order that dish and try it. And maybe know you know maybe they've seen a chef prepare it. Maybe they have learned a little bit about the history and why that dish exists in that place. And uh, and those are the things that really make a person's trip amazing. It's not exactly did they go to the best restaurant. That's important. Um, but it's it's the experience that goes around it.
0: Is there a price point uh, for the people that kind of use your guides? On, because it's easy to say, oh, go to this, uh, stay at the five, at the four seasons, you know? And, and yes, of course, that's nice. But a lot of people can't afford that. So, I mean, well, is, is, is there a level yeah. of brand that you work with?
1: Well, we work with, uh, with any brand. It is an enterprise sale, but we're not, again, we're not, We're not selling or pitching certain hotels to stay at. We're giving the brands that we work with, some are luxury, some are tiny, tiny um, small tour operators. We're giving them a way to serve up inspirational content to their guests that make their guest trip richer, right? They're experts at delivering uh, travel experiences on the ground. We're experts at delivering uh, travel experiences digitally.
0: Do you recommend certain like tours and, and tour companies in certain no, places? We're,
1: we're supplier agnostic. <laughs>
0: um,
1: yeah. So we're not, we're, we're, and we're not taking cut from that. Um, we're, we're making our money directly from our clients. They pay a license fee to access the, the content, access the platform, um, which makes what we offer so pure, right? There's no, uh, we're not on the take on another side of it.
0: Oh. I always want one person writing guidebooks to tell me they're on the. T- yeah, I take a little something. No, 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 no I'm
1: not writing guidebooks anymore. I'm not
0: <laughs> I know, but back- I mean, in the, even yeah. in the past, I always wonder if like, like I've t- I've interviewed a number yeah. of people who wrote for like Lonely Planet and things like that, and I'm going, but you know, when I was backpacking around, that guide had a lot of influence, and a could make her that. could make or break her business. Really, Absolutely. a good review. Absolutely. So, I mean, is that? in the back of your mind, a little bit of of knowing, of guiding people a certain way, um, affecting businesses and local businesses?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I do think for the, I don't know, for the most part, but I do think content creators come in with a, with an idea of highlighting the best things that will benefit their, their readers. Um, Does it help to, have more access to, uh, to a place. I mean, that's what that's what sales and marketing teams at these uh, companies—that's uh, what they're good at, right? They're helping uh, give the person uh, that information. So uh, it doesn't. I, I'm not looking at a, a guidebook like, "Oh, this is just a pay-for-play on the other side." <laughs> yeah. It might be, but uh, that's not how that's that's not how I look at it.
0: Well, I've talked to a number of uh, digital nomads, they call them now. And yes. so you were really kind of ahead of the curve on this.
1: Yes, I've been a digital nomad before it was really possible to yeah. be a digital nomad. I've seen the internet uh, access around the world increase and speeds increase. Um, you know, it's uh, it's incredible what people can do today that they couldn't do just five years ago.
0: When you look back at, say, 2003 and four, when you're traveling around and trying to get an online business going. What is the biggest, aside from like speeds of internet, um, what's been the other big changes? Has it been like apps and the phone? Has that been like the number one thing that's helped you?
1: Yeah, I think... I mean, again, it was it was just such a different business model that we were looking at when we started creating, and, and we had the luxury for the first, you know, for the first five years, we weren't we were just traveling purely. We didn't have a business in mind. It wasn't until we decided that we were going to come back to New York City um, that we were like, well, how do we how do we keep both going? And that was when we started uh, writing the guidebooks, and uh, and then. Then we transitioned once we started seeing that there was an audience um, beyond what we could create. Uh, that's when we really sat down and said, well, there might be a bigger play here than um, than, than writing our own guidebooks.
0: Right. So selling
1: directly to consumers. I mean, we can have so much the, the number of consumers that I can touch by working with uh, large hotel brand, a cruise line at tour operators, and you sort of multiply that the more I can touch way more consumers. That way I can give them a much better experience than I might've even been able to do with the guidebooks.
0: So like I've worked on a number of cruise ships, but
1: yes, I, I heard.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but when you work with the cruise ships, um, a lot of them have their in-house, tv channels that show you what to do in these different destinations yep um so do you you provide content like that
1: uh with the with the cruise lines um again it's not so much what to do but think of think of a cruise to antarctica right you're on the cruise to antarctica and they've got that sales desk there that is you know there's benefits if you book your next cruise while you're on the cruise there's discounts that occur One of the most amazing ways to uh, get someone to take their next cruise, certainly through the experience that they're getting while on board the ship. But you can say, we just saw penguins in Antarctica. Take a look at this video, look at the penguins you can see with us in South Africa. Learn about the differences between these two penguins. And once you do that, people are like, really? Let's go on the penguin tour. Where else can I see penguin? You know what I mean? It brings out this sort of really unique, um, unique thing.
0: Okay. So um let's talk about you two, you yes. and your husband. What's his name? David. David, you and David, you uh you leave your jobs, you leave New York City, you decide you're gonna travel. Yes. A dream of many. So- A dream of
1: many. And it's well, been done by many. We're, oh, sure. we're following in the, in the yeah, steps. <laughs> but
0: did you have a loose itinerary? Uh, did you have any kind of yes, plan? Yes,
1: absolutely. We moved straight to Milan. <laughs> <laughs> Italy was destination uh, destination zero.
0: Yeah. Um, so a, good we, choice. We got an
1: apartment there. In Great
0: Milan. Choice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay. we got an apartment, and then we used that as a as a hub um, to uh, to base from and travel from there. And that was really where, you know, I'd been out of the country like like most people. You get a couple weeks with your job, you visit family with some of that time, and then you maybe take two international vacations a year. But when you start traveling a lot in a short period of time, you begin to see these connections that you would have never realized, right? So just for example, we go to uh, Cordoba in Spain, we go to uh, Florence, and uh, we go to Damascus in Syria, and, and, and let's say Cairo in Egypt, which is, which is all true. We, we did all that. In a it's weekend, this, <laughs> well, not in a weekend. Not in a weekend. I like it's to one, of beauties,
0: a bit. Yeah, so, one of the beauties. Yeah, one of the beauties of Europe. Of it's of like, Europe exactly. We've got uh, eight countries in a weekend.
1: <laughs> but immediately, what you see is, if you think of any of those places in mind, you've got this uh, striped architecture, right? You think about the mosque in Cordoba. You think about the church now mosque in Damascus. It, this architecture continues. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. That's not developing in a vacuum in all these places. That is a thread that tied these cultures together through trade, through, you know, um, war, religion, war, <laughs> a lot of things. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, And you can see the same thing, you know, you have the the original stupa in Sanchi in India, and you can trace it right down to through Sri Lanka and over to uh, Southeast Asia. And then you can trace another type of stupa um, up through the Silk Road. And it it, you can see all the different elements, but they start taking unique forms in these countries. So I just find that to be the most fascinating uh, part of travel.
0: So how long was Milan the base? Uh, five years. Five, five years. years. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. Love and me. did you go there knowing Italian or did you pick it all up? Or did you ever pick it up? Uh,
1: no, wait, I definitely picked it up. Definitely okay. picked it up. I took some Italian lessons before we went, but um, Milan is, at least was, um, it's changed uh, a great deal uh, over over time. But when we were there, uh People in the professional classes, uh, doctors, everyone worked in an office, spoke English. But anyone you interacted with throughout the city, um, waiters or store owners, banks, no one spoke English. So unlike Rome... Where everyone speaks English, maybe even better than me <laughs> uh in Milan it forced uh it forced it so quickly um so uh so I speak italian
0: Have you picked up and any spanish. Spanish. and spanish okay which they're, yeah, very be they're very similar they're very similar
1: yeah they're similar, almost too similar
0: yeah, yeah, we used to call us battalion when we when we were in Italy, and, and <laughs> we would fall back on Spanish yeah. just you know just in case
1: yeah exactly uh,
0: so after Milan. Uh, did you ever base yourself and say Asia, like uh, Bangkok or Tokyo or something?
1: No, we came back to New York City uh, after that. Um, stayed for uh, a few years, um, and then, uh, and then I guess in 2016, put our uh, I guess it's sort of five-year trend, but um, <laughs> yeah. we put our uh, we put our stuff in storage where it's been ever six.
0: <laughs> well, where's that? Where am I looking? Whose house are you in now?
1: No, I'm just in, I'm just sort of in a -a pied-a-terre. I mean, it's, uh, we bounce around quite a bit. So you're in a storage
0: uh, unit, you're in a storage unit. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly.
0: (laughs) Uh, What part Um, of the city are you in?
1: uh, Tribeca.
0: Okay. very nice.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. So I'm always interested in this. Was there a point where you kind of were like, did you ever hit a certain moment where you just went, you know what? I'm tired. We're going home. I mean, I'm were you ever homesick happened. for anything.
1: It hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. I get homesick every once in a while for, um,
0: Mexican food.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that's New York, but that's,
0: uh, no, that's the, uh, that's the number one. I always ask Pat What's one of the things they miss the most? Give me some oh. of the things you miss the most by all expats and Mexican food is usually one of the uh, top two answers,
1: Yeah, especially if uh, you're
0: from out west.
1: Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine. Yeah, would imagine. yeah we <laughs> for don't, you, we it's don't probably a
0: pizza slice and uh, a good bagel, probably.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I really try to anchor with rituals beginning of the day, end of day, I think having those Rituals creates a feeling of home, no matter uh, no matter where you are in the in the world. Um, but during the during the pandemic, we actually stopped traveling. Um, we got stuck in uh, South Africa when they closed their borders, where we stayed for more than a year. Wow! Yeah, so we rented a place for uh, for like seven days and ended up staying in it. For a year,
0: which was amazing. Um, so, well, I bet uh, was it Airbnb or something? It was. It was. Well, well, I bet the owners were happy. You know, when all tourists, yeah, I shuts think they were down, one of the,
1: like the only people uh, who made uh, who made money. We were in this um, sort of. Uh, small town on the, on the coast of South Africa
0: um, called St.
1: Francis Bay. Uh, It's actually fun fact is, uh, is where they, the old surfing movie from 1966. Endless summer. Yeah. That was the perfect wave and our house was sitting uh, right above it. So it was a phenomenal spot to, uh, wow. uh, Yeah. Ended up living.
0: <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Is the wave still there? And do you surf?
1: It is. I don't surf, and but the wave is still there.
0: Do people come it, from it, all it's over? Because
1: awesome, you're a surfer, right?
0: Ah, uh, badly. I'm very bad <laughs> well, surfer.
1: It's this. Uh, they say it's the this perfect wave because it comes in at this very specific angle and has this very very long run. Um, so every day we were we were watching the surfers um, day in day out.
0: That's cool. In, yeah. Um. So how far from, like, Cape Town is that?
1: Uh, quite a few hours. Um, so we actually, we were, we were in uh, Ethiopia and Kenya traveling around when the pandemic hit. And then we said, well, we'll just go down to South Africa a- until things shake out. Um, and we were actually traveling from Cape Town, driving to Joburg, and we were going to get on a flight to Botswana and uh and midway through the trip so we went along the garden route and uh, we had just crossed over into the eastern cape which is where saint francis bay is and ramaphosa uh, the president of south africa shut the borders and shut them hard so we could have taken a repatriation flight back but it didn't really seem like why yeah Um, Oh, things are uh, things
0: were great here i don't know if you noticed yeah exactly it was a lot to come back to um (laughs) But and that's what I mean. I mean, so when you say I mean, as U.S. citizens, you could have gotten home if you wanted. Right. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Okay. It was it was, uh, you know, they closed the borders. The embassy did an amazing job. I mean, I really have to hand it to um all the embassies all over the world, but um, especially in South Africa, they were helping travelers. There was so much confusion. There were so many people who had family that in one place and they, had, they were stuck in these other places and they really, it was a Herculean effort, um, but it was an effort that I didn't need to add to their job. We were pretty secure. South Africa just kept extending the visas. Um, so we didn't have to reapply or anything like that. So it just made it very easy. Well, and those, easy for us to keep our American dollars in a in a country that needed them at the time.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, there are worse places to be stuck. I mean, you could, you know, sitting there for a year watching the perfect wave.
1: Yeah. And you know, South Africa is um it's everything's outdoors, right? So once, you know, there was a, a very hard lockdown at the beginning. Um, but then once they began to open up you you can do a safari um they do self-drive safaris there so you could just take a a day and go see some elephants or go see some lions and come back i mean it's 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 the way to do lockdown i think
0: go see the <laughs> go see the octopus teacher guy or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah he's swimming in some cold water i know i mean I'm... that is uh that is a bold dude yeah i know
0: no thank you yeah. um So when you say they locked down hard, what was the policies inside there? I mean, like, was it like Australia where you couldn't go from state to state or was it like?
1: Yeah, it was even it it was even a little stricter at first. Um, They first, I mean, they locked the borders. They banned booze, the sale of booze.
0: Oh, wait a minute. Um, Stop right there. No, thank you.
1: No, thank you. That Wave
0: wave isn't uh, that good.
1: That was the t- that was the toughest. Wait a minute! Uh,
0: you couldn't get wine in South Africa.
1: I know it was one of the one of three countries in the world that um, uh, that locked down alcohol sales, and it's the only wine producing uh, country. So I, I felt really badly for the uh, obviously for the wineries there. Um, they couldn't get the shipment of the of the one harvest out, and then they had to be uh, processing the next harvest. But South Africans are quite crafty. So, yeah. Um. They they had like milk trucks of uh, wine. Um. <laughs> going. Yeah. You could take your little milk carton and and get.
0: get milk. Like the twenties here with Al Capone.
1: <laughs> totally. Totally. You really see. You really see what. Um. When. Uh. When a culture doesn't agree with the rules, how quickly things.
0: Yeah. Um, Black with, markets and, and South pop Africans up pretty are, quick. Are,
1: yeah. Are crafty.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So, uh, but they were, they were eating, uh, I mean, restaurants, uh, opened by the, by the summer things were, um, were more or less back to a state of reasonableness. I wouldn't say normal, but
0: how was the death toll compared to, uh, other countries?
1: Uh, it it was, it was all high, but I don't know the answer to that. Okay. I'm not the, I can't comment on that.
0: Right. I mean, could you, let me see, I'm trying to think. Is this um, something that made you want to like, yeah, I know for me as someone who traveled every year, probably somewhere, you know, this lockdown, I've, I've been home more than I've ever been in, you know, the last 15 years. It's been weird.
1: It's, it's been yeah, weird. it's been weird for a lot of people. Our business is on the road. I We've know. been traveling since since day one.
0: How did you um, handle it? Like being in one place for even a well, year?
1: Well, it was a different place, right? It was yeah, I guess South maybe. Africa, right? I mean, we were able to... We could go into the Karoo and see... We could see parts of the country that we had never been to before and probably... It would have taken a long time to uh to get there so uh, we learned a lot about the eastern cape which is a region that a lot of um cruise ships go to but most uh most other travelers don't go to um we saw a country sort of you know it was one of the first times where i uh i listened to another country's president speak like like really intently yeah
0: i bet (laughs)
1: But the exciting thing, uh, I think, is things are opening up. I mean, we traveled all last year. Uh, we were in Greece, Venice, Portugal, um, uh, Lanzarote in Spain. Um, and, and it looks like things are are continuing. I'm, I'm really excited to see the world opening up.
0: Well, before we get off South Africa, what's a place you recommend that most of us wouldn't know? Everybody knows like Cape Town and like going on safaris and stuff like that. What's a hidden yeah. gem there?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think St. Francis. I think the Eastern Cape is a totally unique region. I would have never. Um known it, but you've got St. Francis Bay, um, uh, just a, a small beach community, um, but very um, very unique. It's got thatched roof houses. Um, it's it's really a special place. You've got the Karoo, um, which is a completely different environment. You have farmers who are farming in some of the most inhospitable conditions uh, in the world, and they've really created an environment in which they can do it. And then at the far uh, east end, you've got the the wild east coast which is just beautiful dirt roads hard to access um worth putting on the list
0: how much uh of an effect did the lockdown have on on the business side for you did did brands call you up and go you know what we're gonna take this year off was it a rough one it it
1: was it was there were times that were rough, especially right at the beginning. But we've got amazing partners, and we were quite lucky. Uh, content became so important to these brands during the pandemic. So we actually brought on uh, several new clients um, during the pandemic because we had we had the way to tell the stories of the destination. Um, there's all you can't send out the newsletter saying you know book this book this tour, book this cruise, you have to inspire in new ways. Um, so we, we gained new clients and we, we built deeper relationships with our, with our current clients.
0: How did you like uh, Ethiopia? I was there in 2019. Oh, I did, um, the gorilla trek in Uganda.
1: Oh, amazing.
0: And then afterwards I went to, well, went to Victoria falls and then up to Ethiopia for a few days. It was a little bit, bit of a, a coup in one region when I was there, but uh, yeah, I went to Lalabella yeah. and the capital. Yep. Um, how did you find it? I found it very interesting.
1: Yeah, it's it's a fascinating, uh, fascinating culture. Um, I, I love Ethiopian food. Yeah, uh, me it's too. Got incredible history, incredible architecture. Um, some really ancient old artifacts it's it's a very special place i uh i was sorry to have left it a little early but i thought that might be the best and and it t- turns out unfortunately in hindsight for the country um you know we we got up uh you know we got up into the very north of the country where there's now a war so um i really feel for the people of ethiopia but it it was it was lovely it was beyond what i uh, had hoped
0: no yeah it was it was uh You know, people are always surprised when you say you go. Yeah. People who don't really know what, you know, what it offers. But yeah, yeah, unbelievable.
1: And I mean, because the Italians were there they serve a great espresso. Yeah. So you can get espresso all, <laughs> all over the country and, uh, and they've got some pretty cool um, coffee bars. Um, so it's, it's this interesting mix between, uh, you know, a place that we love and another place that we love.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like going to places where the French were and the French uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. take it over. It's like they always leave behind good bread.
1: Good bread. Yeah, we went to Reunion Island, which is off the coast of uh, of Africa, and uh, same thing. I mean, it's French controlled. You can get great wine, great cheese. You're like, why great bread? Why are we really (laughs) here?
0: It's like Vietnamese banh mi sandwiches. It's like, why is this bread so good? It's like, oh right, 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 yeah, colonization. (laughs) Legacy, legacy. Yeah. Um, So, where is on? your list of places to go that you haven't been and you really want to explore. What have you been putting off?
1: Yeah. Uh, I've been putting off. Um, I haven't been to, uh, to Azerbaijan yet. I haven't been to um, West Not Africa.
0: many people have.
1: No, but um, those are, those are interesting uh, places that are definitely on, uh, on my list. Um, next up is uh, we going to Cyprus and to um uh, along the coast of Greece, where Ephesus is um so i haven't I haven't done the western coast of uh, i'm sorry of, of uh, Turkey. I haven't done the western coast of Turkey, so I'm really looking forward to uh, to that and those two places have been on the list for a long time.
0: I'm gonna ask these uh, these are some of my favorite questions okay. what the craziest thing you ever ate in a foreign country?
1: Oh, uh, goodness, I can't imagine on'm I'm that.
0: Are you a bold eater? I mean, do you eat like, I've done a couple insects in, uh, I think no, it, it was in Asia.
1: I'm not that bold of an eater. I mean, <laughs> I, will, I will have tea at the tea stand, any tea stand in any part of the world. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know if that's bold, but most people won't. Uh, Depends on I your stomach. Yeah. Well, you know, I find that if, you, if it's cooked and it's cooked well and it's cooked right then, um, I've, I've never had a
0: problem. So you've never gotten the food poisoning or anything.
1: Uh, I have gotten food poisoning um, and I I developed a a pretty um, it's a hard and fast rule. If my food does not take 20 minutes to come out, it's not not food for me to eat. (laughs) Um, It's 20 minute rule. Yeah. As long as someone's cooking it and that's that's about how long it should take for a dish to uh, to be prepared. Uh, If it comes out quickly, it's been sitting.
0: You can almost do it. Yeah, you can almost do it on the other end. If it has been sitting for 20 minutes, anything over, yeah, no, that's too long.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, interesting. So, any um health mishaps on there? Ever had to go to a hospital, ever broken a bone or twisted an ankle in a foreign country?
1: No. No. Wow, you've
0: been, been lucky. Pretty
1: lucky. Yeah, been pretty lucky that way.
0: Are you the adventurous type? Are you a hiker? Are you uh, extreme sport? Do you bungee jump? What do you do? Uh,
1: I don't don't bungee jump, but we've uh, uh, we've been known to t- hike uh, hike quite a quite a bit. I mean, if a country has an exploding b- volcano, um, <laughs> it's highly likely I've I've been there and climbed up it. Um, So one of the most amazing experiences I've, I've ever had is in Stromboli. I don't know. Have you, have you been there?
0: Stromboli? Um, No.
1: Stromboli. It's a small Island in Italy and it is where the term Strombolian volcano comes from. It's um, an active volcano. It explodes every couple minutes. This very dramatic uh, lava shooting into the air. Uh, so you can certainly see it um, on, on the sea, you can take a boat ride and go around and see it exploding at night. But one of the coolest experiences that you can do is the island, uh, you know, it was an ancient volcano. So and then one, um, one side of the caldera collapsed, and then the volcano started building up in another part. So you can actually climb up the old uh, caldera and look down into on the the current caldera um and that is awesome
0: that sounds great
1: yeah that is pretty badass
0: (laughs) well give me some of the other ones that you recommend some of your most memorable kind of things like that um
1: yeah i mean we've just had so many so many great um um, experiences. We've sailed all over the world. We've uh, hiked a lot of places. I mean, there's the volcano in Bali. There's one in Java. um There's one in Guatemala. So,
0: <laughs> you're fans uh, of yeah. you're a volcano fan. I'm fine. Yeah,
1: basically, if there's nothing exploding at the top, I'm sort of like, what are we going for sunrise? Why? I walked, walked on the
0: one in um Sicily. Is that Etna? Etna. Etna yes. yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's an amazing one. Um, did you walk down the sort of the, the ashy side where, yeah. Gets, yeah, the- yeah. And you run down. That's not, yep. yeah, that's awesome.
0: That's, that's awesome. pretty cool.
1: Uh, yeah. And it also has, um, one of the cool things you can do there as well. So you can climb up the volcano, but there are also these, um, canyons that have uh, developed, um, at the bottom of the volcano and rivers are running through it. So you can do some canyoneering, uh, as well. Scared the crap out of me, but but once you, once you start, there is no going back. So you got to complete it.
0: (laughs) What's a, what's an underappreciated part of Italy that people should see? That's not usually in the guidebooks. Puglia. Puglia in the heel, right?
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Um, Puglia is amazing. Piedmont's amazing, too. Um, a lot of people will go to Piedmont, but um, it's pretty easy to get off the path there. Um, so those are those are two places I'd uh, I'd really recommend.
0: What about places like countries in Europe that don't get their due? You say you want to go to Azerbaijan, but have you been to other I have friends who would love to go to Georgia, the country yes, of Georgia I of think- all places?
1: Georgia's uh, uh, George's on on my list as well. We just did um, Romania a couple years ago, and it was a it was a country that I just wasn't I didn't know what it was going to be like. Um, we didn't we didn't book that many uh, days there. I think we were there for only two weeks. Which the way we travel and trying to really get into these places is is quite short. I know that sounds ridiculous to most people, <laughs> but um, that is uh, that's just how we travel. And I wish we had spent um, more time there. I really, really loved Romania. Um, It's got, it's so varied um, and they've got some incredible, uh, incredible things to see.
0: Yeah, I went to, uh, I went there a few years ago and ended up Mm -hmm. going, I was in Bucharest and then we went up to uh, Transylvania, which I really recommend. Transylvania is pretty uh, beautiful.
1: Yeah, I agree, I agree.
0: Um, what about, I know there's content, there's a lot of Asian content that you have yep. on, on
1: a lot of time in Southeast Asia and Asia in general, uh,
0: give me your highlights and then the, the must sees I, you know, Thailand's still one of my favorite yeah, countries yeah, in the Thailand. world. So you can't Thailand. really skip that one.
1: No, you can't skip that one. I mean, two of the experiences that just I could have again and again and again is, uh, visiting anchor. Um, that is always a top experience. We, we wrote a really, um, amazing guidebook there that, uh, not only really dives into the the main sites, um, but gives you a way to get off the path and visit some of these lesser known, but, um, equally as important temples. Um, and, uh, and people who use our guidebook end up uh, oh, it's just incredible the the feedback we get about how special their experience was, and and we give you tips on you know what temples to see sunset at and and stuff like that. So that's one, and uh, the other one is Bagan in Myanmar. Um, again, just a spectacular, spectacular site. We've got a guidebook there as well, and um, it's uh, it, they're both amazing.
0: Of all the places that. You know, I worry that I missed my window on Myanmar is, is right up there because I always tell people it's like if a place is open to go see and you've really wanted to go see it, don't waste time because
1: don't hesitate.
0: You know, it's country shut down. You never know. And uh, exactly now, right. you know, they've had their own, you know, problems politically and yeah. it shut down again. And I was, there was like a five year window I could have gone and didn't.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah, we, we went in that window. We think the same. That's how we ended up in uh, in Syria. We went to Yemen. Um, we we yeah. went to uh, we went to Lebanon. Uh, our window was a little tight on that. We actually got stuck there in the um, in the October seventeenth uh, riots. But, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Windows shut.
1: Windows yeah, or, shut. Or you don't know but when a pandemic's going to happen. Yeah. But they, they open again. That's yeah, the let's... that's the beauty of. Uh, of travel is so you can really experience these different places.
0: Right. How about your worst uh, flight? Can you remember that? Your worst flying experience?
1: I can't. I'm so boring. I've, <laughs> I've had pretty good luck. But, you know, I just mentioned the um, the protests and I think I call them riots. They, they were protests and rightful protests in Lebanon. Um, that was one of the experiences where I saw people having a really tough time with their flights. So um, during, the, during the protests, you know, they're protesting the, the government and the, the people were lighting uh, tires in the roads to block them. So they were blocking the road from Beirut to the airport. The intention was really to send a signal to the government. It wasn't to mess with people's flights. Um, So they were allowing people to go through, uh, but there was a catch. You either had to walk all your luggage um, to the airport or they set up a system of people with their mopeds uh, were, were sho- shuttling uh, travelers back and forth with like their <laughs> roller on the ground. And I, uh, I remember, you know, we, I was watching, I mean, you just saw all of this unfolding on Twitter and every day I was just sort of checking the, I was like, what's going to be our experience going to the airport? <laughs> uh, but by then, uh, by, by then, things had begun to open up a little bit.
0: Have you ever been detained for any other reason? Any run-ins with police or border control?
1: No, no. We try to keep things pretty tight. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I, I pay attention to those visa rules um, very, very intently um, because all you need is just uh, one little problem and you can be banned from, uh, from a country, from a region for a long time.
0: How about cops? You never had to bribe one?
1: Oh, yes. Okay. there's. Uh, you always have to bribe a cop. Yeah,
0: there <laughs> it is. I knew it was going to happen.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Yeah.
0: Like Can you cops, say the country uh, or the region? Say what? Can you say the country or the region? Uh, Go ahead. I mean, everybody knows it. Well,
1: I would say the there's so... I mean, we've bribed so many cops. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know... You, there's there's all that but the one where the cop was in the biggest cahoots with um with the criminals was actually in uh, in sicily we were again we no were, wait we're a minute no
0: shit. come on Corruption. i know you can't believe
1: it you can't believe Sicilian it but we were, in sicily
0: of all places
1: we were sailing the aeolian islands and uh, when you sail, you you know you anchor your boat. You take your dinghy into the island for dinner. You come back. You get get on your dinghy and you go back to your boat. So we did all that. We get on our dinghy and we realize our boat isn't there anymore. So we take the dinghy <laughs> back to the dock. At which point there are uh, two gentlemen. Uh, who want to talk to
0: us? I'm sh- okay, and in, in
1: classic Italian style, uh-huh. we go have a coffee.
0: <laughs> oh, here it is.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's this very elaborate presentation, and they had actually stolen our vote. Um, and certainly, <laughs> the cops were in on this um, on this this game. Uh, so there's a rule in Italy that if you salvage a boat. Uh, you are entitled to, I think it's like 25, 30% of its value. So by picking up our anchor and driving the boat to another uh, part of the island, they rescued it. And, um, and then we had to have a, we had to have a conversation over a couple of (laughs) espresso and uh, (laughs) yeah. And so the cops were totally in on that one.
0: Well, so so basically, they they take they money from you. And what do they do? You well, had to give them some money for them to take you back to the boat in another area? In,
1: in this case, uh, we actually didn't. Uh, we got pretty lucky. We had rented the boat from a company, an Italian company. And as soon as they heard it wasn't our boat, we just said, that's fine. You can have the boat. We just have to get our stuff. Oh. so they they took us back to the boat and they were like well i guess we have to try again tomorrow night
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh how so many we, times and when we
1: went back we rented the boat out of palermo in, in sicily and we went back and we told them what happened and they're like oh what island and uh oh we said well he, you know here's a photo of the guy and he's like oh yeah, yeah
0: they knew you know him <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> That's hilarious. They stole the boat.
1: Stole oh. the boat. Stole the boat.
0: <laughs> How about any uh any bad boating experiences? Ever been caught like in bad weather or uh
1: uh you know it's always something when you sail. Um so yeah, there's uh there's plenty of uh of those stories where we lost our anchor when we were sailing around Belize and I'm the one who's responsible for the anchor, right? So David uh, is the captain of the boat. He's positioning it. I'm dropping the anchor, make sure it's set. And uh, so we're not going to go floating right away. So no one has to salvage the boat. Yeah. And, uh, and I was letting the anchor out and it was not tied to oh no. the hull. And so there we were um, in, in Belize is, is, that's, uh, that's not easy sailing. Yeah. Um, it's not as protected in a lot of places as, uh, as other places. So it has a bit of, it's not open sea. Any sailor who's listening to me um, would, would laugh at that. But for right. me, it felt way more open and exposed than normal. So, um, yeah. And they've got a lot of reefs that you have to avoid. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah.
0: I've uh, scuba dived on those reefs.
1: Okay. Yeah. 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 We had to surf a boat into a uh, port once. Uh, oh,
0: really? Was, you had to take the waves in?
1: Yeah. It was a, a major, major storm that had ripped through the, the Caribbean. Um, and uh, and the port that we were coming into really narrowed. Um, and we had to get the boat back. And <laughs> so we called them and said, It's a pretty crazy scenario out here. I mean, there are some really big waves crashing as you go into the port. And they said, well, we can't help you. We can't get on your boat and drive it in for you, but we'll send a dude in a speedboat to guide you in. So there we were. I mean, the waves were so big. This guy was disappearing on his sail, on his speedboat, and we were literally surfing the waves into the harbor. That was oh, no. wild. wild. Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, they say, you know, there's no better test of a relationship than traveling together.
1: That is the truth. That <laughs> um, is
0: the truth. <laughs> so uh, was there ever any moments that the two of you were just like, you know what? We're going to take a, a few weeks off <laughs> apart, no. so it's all no. worked out.
1: It's worked out really, uh, really well. Um, That's great. You know, we when we met, we uh, just a lot of uh, a lot of similarities and, and areas where we're very different, which is which is key in travel. Some some person will take on some things, and then another the other things.
0: Yeah, um, so I mean, we, we
1: how, balance each other out quite well.
0: How do you divide it up? I mean, is one person like? Uh, a shopper and the other person doesn't like it as one person more of a foodie and the other person is one person reads the map and the other person <laughs> is yeah, not but, a map person.
1: Yeah, basically. No, I mean, it It comes down to like, you know, blocking and tackling all the logistical stuff is uh, I, I find that the. The most annoying part of travel, right? Uh, all the details that has to have to go right. into uh, sorting it out. So, um, you know, uh, you have one person focused on the the detail logistics of the trip, and the other person's uh, on a little bit higher level. And those can switch around, but um, right. it works it works well that way.
0: Are you the kind of people that does one like to have a set schedule, and the other one's like, let's just go improvise?
1: No, we're, we're we're similar. We're similar again. Okay. I think when it comes to that anchoring, right? So, no matter where we are in the world, no matter where we are and what has gone on that day, we wake up and we start the morning with an espresso, and we end with a dinner, usually with um with some good wine, and with those two things, uh, <laughs> I find anything can sort of happen in the middle of the day.
0: you just have those, (laughs) those two bookends at the end of the
1: bookends and you know, your day is starting and you know, your day is ending. And as long as you make it there. Um, So even when we, you know, we we get a late night flight back or uh, to someplace, we still make a point of trying to keep that, uh, that schedule.
0: That's a great idea. Do you, do you have a set? Do you have any kind of secret for uh, jet lag?
1: yeah I do. Um, yep. When you travel, you just get on the time zone as quickly as possible. no matter how badly you want to take a nap when you land in Europe, do not do it.
0: Yeah stay up.
1: No, don't napping stay up and even better uh, get in a, a really good workout um, and then you'll uh, you'll 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 get on schedule pretty quickly.
0: Yeah and hydrate. That's what I was telling people. And hydrate,
1: yes. (laughs) Hydrate is important.
0: (laughs) Well, where do you see, you know, now post um, lockdown and places are opening up a little more, where do you see things going in your business and basically the travel industry in the next year or so?
1: I'm really excited. I think this is going to be a really big year. I think people are really excited to get out. I think they're really excited to have experiences. And I think, uh, I think people have been changed in a way that's for the better. I think they've, um, deepened relationships with their family. They have ideas of what they want to do and what they want to see and how they want to see things. Um, and, uh, and I think, uh, I think a lot of destinations are due for a really good year.
0: Have you lost some, uh, hotels and other brands that you've worked with that, uh, you know, I was on a cruise. I worked for a cruise line that shut down. I mean, they didn't make it. Um, have you seen some some partners fall by the wayside during lockdown?
1: We none of our partners, if anything, our our partners have acquired uh, businesses. But we've certainly there's been uh, there's been unfortunately a lot of turmoil in the industry. Some businesses have closed. A lot have been um, a lot have been bought. I think. I think the hardest thing uh, for the industry has been the loss of talent. Um, I see, you know, necessarily these brands had to go on uh, on really tight um, tight budgets, right? They were keeping marketing teams that were once forty people went down to two, Um, and that sort of thing. You you lose thirty eight people in one department in one um in one company and a lot of them find jobs outside of the travel industry now travel industry will start hiring again in fact um there's a lot of hiring uh going on right now which is super exciting to see so i I hope people will come back or at least a new um new group of, of people in the industry will come back but that's been the hardest to see some of the stars uh other industries, pick them up.
0: <laughs> right. But as you hi- a
1: traveler, you're always a traveler. Absolutely. Get the bug. It's hard to do anything else.
0: Are you hiring more? I mean,
1: we are. We are. We're actually hiring a couple content people right now.
0: Oh, so interesting. Send me hmm. a <laughs> hey, I'm out there on the internet. I got a whole comedy special if you need. I got- <laughs> 20 years of uh, TV hosting experience. Me and Robin. I know you guys have
1: had a uh, storied careers. Both of you.
0: Yeah. Has Robin ever uh, given you any content?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've worked. Uh, we've worked very closely with Robin and, and uh Findy drink. Um, the content they produce is spectacular. Yeah. Uh, they, they've got some really unique stuff.
0: Right. Well, so what do you think all this, travel and every places you've been and, and your experiences, how has it changed you as a person and how has it changed how you look at people and the world?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think in, in two ways, um, it certainly made me uh, very much appreciate the position I have in life um, I feel exceptionally fortunate every single day, even if I'm having a, a sort of a crap day. It's um, it's amazing compared to uh, the way uh, some people, uh, they're, you know, sort of the accident of birth. So um, I, I very much recognize that. And, and the other thing that travel has um, forced me to do um, I tend to be a very... I like to know exactly what's coming and try to control how things go. And, um, I've had to let a lot of that go and I have a much better, uh, life, I think because of that.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's a great I mean, answer.
1: That's what, uh, that's what everyone says, but it's a lot easier said than done. And, and if you can just let go and say, you know what, this is just going to work out. I don't have to make, make a decision right now. The decision will come and it will be the right one when it comes.
0: Yeah, just start off with an espresso and end with a glass of wine. Exactly. <laughs> so what's the first thing you eat when you get back to New York? Italian food. Italian food. Boy, Really? You go from Can Milan? I
1: complain to... about how, oh, oh, it's just not like the pasta.
0: Right, yeah. Oh, this, our, our place in Milan was so much better.
1: No, no, no. It's, uh, it's different. It's different.
0: <laughs> it is <It's> different. <laughs> uh, okay. Now you can get your plugs in where, if people want to work with you or find you, uh, give us an name of your website and where they can follow you on social media. and stuff.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, our website is approachguides.com and, uh, and you can find me at, uh, Jennifer Razor on Instagram.
0: Okay. Well, links to, uh, all the sites as well on our site and, uh, stay in line. I'll talk to you afterwards, but. Uh, sure. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it.
1: Mike, such a pleasure. I really appreciate your your having me on the show and uh, taking the time to talk with me.
0: No, it's great to meet you. Jennifer Razor, everybody.